Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. For the past several months, we've been journeying through the story together, and uh, I believe most of you would agree with me when I say it's been an incredible experience to see how all these different Bible accounts fit together so beautifully into the big picture of God's upper story, as we've been calling it. This week, we've had a chance to consider the story of Esther. One thing that we have not been able to do quite as much this year, for this reason, is to follow the calendar of the church year as closely as we normally would. And that's okay, but today is Transfiguration Sunday, the day when we celebrate when Jesus went up on a mountaintop with Peter, James, and John, and his glory shone forth. And as I thought about that account, I began to see some parallels between Esther's story and the story of the Transfiguration. Now there's a lot that could be said about the Transfiguration, but I think it's fair to say that in a nutshell, what was happening on that mountain was Jesus was preparing to go to the cross, while at the same time allowing three of his disciples a sneak peek into his majestic glory. Put yourself in their shoes for just a moment. You've been following Jesus around for a couple of years now, and you've seen him do some incredible things. Healing the sick, casting out demons, even raising the dead. But as Jesus has been doing all of these things, he really looked like a pretty normal guy. And now all of a sudden, his divine glory and splendor are completely unveiled. Matthew's gospel tells us that his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light, this dazzling pure white, a color that you and I have yet to behold. This sight was like literally nothing Peter, James, and John had ever before seen. The glory of God in Jesus is absolutely astonishing. This is the first blank in your sermon outline, although really, uh, you could substitute it with any number of other A words. Uh, Amazing, astounding. The disciples are absolutely blown away and thrown flat on their faces. When it was all over, as they were going down the mountainside, they must have thought to themselves, I can't wait to tell the other guys about this. But then Jesus commands them to tell no one what they had seen. Now think about the most incredible experience you have ever had in your entire life. And then imagine Jesus telling you that you are forbidden to speak of it to anyone. The glory of God in Jesus is astonishing And apparently, it's also a secret. Why? Why wouldn't Jesus want his disciples to tell the entire world of his glory? Again, there's so much that could be said. We call this the messianic secret, but in a nutshell, Jesus was throwing the cloak back over his divinity in some ways so that his glory could be revealed to the world at the proper time, and that time had not yet come. More on this later, but right now, let's head down the mountain and jump into our chapter for the story today. I'd like to do that by starting with a short quiz uh, on the book of Esther. Let's see how how carefully you were able to read this chapter. First, uh, how many times in the book of Esther does the word God appear? Zero times, zero times. How about the Lord, though? How many times is the Lord talked about? Three. 
Same answer, zero times. Well, Esther showed incredible faith. How many times do you think the word faith shows up? Zero times. What about salvation or, or, or saving or rescue or, or righteousness? Anything? Nothing. You might remember back in November, I, I don't know if complain is quite the right word, but I made note of the fact that I had been assigned to preach on both of the books of the Bible named after women. And uh, when I preached on Ruth, I talked about how that, that story really isn't the love story that we sometimes make it out to be. But we all know that Esther is an incredible love story, right? Do you care to guess how many times the word love appears in the book of Esther? Not at all. So what's the point? The point is this. Esther is the ultimate example of a lower story that on the surface seems to have absolutely nothing to do with God's upper story. Some have described the book of Esther as a purely secular or even godless story. For example, think about some of the spiritual compromises Esther would have had to make. The sinful behavior she probably had to engage in in order to be chosen as queen by King Xerxes. And speaking of the glory of God being kept a secret, Esther doesn't mention him even once. And this isn't the only secret she keeps. She even hides her own nationality, her identity as a Jew, from Xerxes and the entire royal court. In your sermon outline for today, I've described Esther as the transcendent queen. Now the word transcendent can mean a few different things. When we say that God is transcendent, what we mean to say is that he is not subject to the limitations of his creation, that he exists wholly apart from, entirely beyond our own experience of of this physical universe. In Esther's story, I think you can say that, that God is portrayed as extremely transcendent because he doesn't even get mentioned. But the word transcendent can also mean surpassing the ordinary or exceptional. And this is what I mean when I describe Esther as the transcendent queen. I think Esther was transcendent, it was exceptional, it was extraordinary in two notable ways. First, Esther was transcendent in her beauty. Now, we're told that the king was attracted to Esther more than any of the other women. And keep in mind, Xerxes was king of Persia, the, the largest empire in world history up to this point. And so, in many ways, he, he had his pick, essentially, of any woman in the world. And uh, he found Esther to be the most beautiful of them all and made her queen. Esther was absolutely transcendent in her beauty. But why does this matter? We know that our identity, our, our value, our worth in the eyes of God has nothing, nothing to do with how physically attractive we are. And Esther didn't get a book in the Bible named after her because she was really pretty. Here's the thing. In the end, Esther's beauty doesn't matter one bit for its own sake. It was simply what God chose to use to get her where she needed to be to accomplish his purposes of saving his and her people. Because as we read this week, Esther, her relative Mordecai, her people, the Jews, were in big trouble. Haman, a Persian nobleman, had convinced King Xerxes to write into law the death warrant of the entire Jewish people. 
And so Mordecai implores Esther to go to the king to beg him to do something about this, even though such laws in Persia were irrevocable. Understandably, Esther was very afraid. For one thing, God didn't seem to be involved in what was going on at all. Where was he? Had he hidden himself? Why was he allowing this to happen? For another thing, to go before the king without having been summoned by him was not only illegal but was also punishable by death unless he would hold out his golden scepter to you to spare your life. And so Esther tells Mordecai that she simply can't do it. Mordecai responds by telling her not to think that her beauty or her royal position will save her. And then he gives Esther these profound words. Who knows but that you have come to royal position For such a time as this. Inspired by these words, by this suggestion that there was somebody directing these events after all, Esther finds the courage to approach the king. The scepter is extended and God uses Esther to rescue the Jews and save the lives of his people. And so we see that Esther is transcendent not only in her beauty but especially in her boldness. Esther very much puts her life on the line, not knowing whether she will live or die. In this way, she serves as an exceptional example to us, to the people of God who live in a time and place where God often seems hidden, where, where more and more sincere Christians are being seen as the enemy. Esther reminds us that it is our responsibility to speak up even when it's frightening, not to keep silent because it involves personal risk. Esther demonstrates for us what bold faith in action ought to look like and her story serves to remind us that God has put us exactly where we are for such a time as this. But more than all of that, Esther's story serves to show us that even when God is hidden, he is there. And he is a king far more powerful than Xerxes or any other. God used Esther's beauty, her selection as queen, even her sinful behaviors to fulfill his purposes. All along, God was behind the scenes, his hidden hand directing everything to orchestrate salvation for his people. As we know, this is not the first time God has saved his people in this way. Psalm 77 recounts for us how he led Israel out of Egypt by saying this, Your path, O Lord, led through the sea. Your way through the mighty waters though your footprints were not seen. In a more familiar passage, God speaks through Isaiah, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We serve a God who leads us to safety with unseen footprints, whose ways and thoughts are higher than ours. We have an all-powerful, covert operative always working to rescue us. And so let's go back to the Mount of Transfiguration for just a moment. Because nowhere do we see this more perfectly than in the Christ who was transfigured before his disciples on that mountaintop. Esther's whole story had hinged upon whether or not Xerxes would extend his royal scepter to her. And her story is really not so very different from ours. You see, because of our sin, our death warrant, the death warrant of the entire human race, had been written. Everything looked hopeless. 
Our whole story hinged upon whether or not God would show us mercy. And he did. Through Jesus, the king of the universe extended his royal scepter of peace to us. God sent Esther to save his people and he sent Jesus to save his people as well for such a time as this. When the time had fully come, God sent his son, Paul tells us. Like Esther, Jesus put his life on the line. But unlike Esther, he knew that he had no chance of surviving his encounter with evil, but willingly gave his life up for us. And so let's now walk with the disciples up a different mountain. Another mountain where Jesus fully displayed his glory, not just to three disciples this time, but to the whole world. After the transfiguration, Jesus had again hidden his divine glory so that it might be revealed at the proper time. Then one day he sets his face for Jerusalem and he says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And now, as Jesus hangs on the cross, the proper time has come. God sent his Son, Jesus, for such a time as this. As the glory of God in Jesus was unmasked and revealed on the cross. As Jesus bled out for our sins, he made visible the invisible God in the fullness of his glory. This time there was no light beaming from his face, but only dark skies and the cracking of ominous thunder. This time men fell on their faces before him, not because of the radiance of the Son of God, but because the earth itself shook in mourning upon his death. And because the hidden God made himself known to us chiefly in the death of Christ, we his people have been rescued. Because the glory of God in Jesus was revealed on the cross, we his church have been transformed. And now it is our turn to let his glory be known in our lives. We are the transformed and transforming church put here in this time and place to show forth the glory of God and to transform the world with the gospel of Jesus. As Paul said to us in our epistle reading, God's intent was that now through the church, that's us, the previously hidden manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's glory in Jesus is revealed through his church, through us, his holy people whom he has spared from eternal annihilation by the death and resurrection of his royal son. We are the Esthers of our time and place. Sometimes we may face things beyond our control. Sometimes we may stoop to sinful behaviors that bring us shame. Sometimes we may have to face our worst fears. But we are the blood-bought, forgiven church of God. And we were born for this moment that God's glory might be revealed in us. So I urge you, brothers and sisters, live with a transcendent boldness that clings to Christ and is supremely confident of the salvation he has won for you. Spread around the unsearchable riches of Christ and make plain to everyone the administration of of this mystery for the hidden God has revealed himself to us in Jesus. His glory is astonishing and is a secret no more 
So let it be seen in your lives until that last day when Christ returns and all will see his divine majesty. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God which transcends understanding guard your hearts and minds in and through Christ Jesus our Lord, now and forever. Amen.